Welcome to Psychedelicast. Hosted by Clinton Cayley, this show is an interview-based podcast focused on offering listeners in-depth information concerning plant medicines, entheogens, and all subjects tangential to psychedelia. Join us in prying open the third eye. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens, welcome to Psychedelicast. I'm your host, Clinton Cayley, as always, beyond excited to bring you guys another interview segment. Today we have Dr. Ryan Westrom, PhD, uh, on the show. This guy wrote, co-authored the Psychedelics Integration Handbook, which has received stellar reviews on Amazon. Um, It's been reviewed by Dr. Stanislav Grof, like, dude, this guy's a heavy hitter. Dr. Westrom offers an integrated approach to psychotherapy, focusing on the unique interests of each person. He is dedicated to helping individuals discover new solutions and perspectives to difficult life challenges and their true potential. He also specializes in assisting couples develop more effective ways of developing and enriching communication and intimacy. Dr. Westrom utilizes a transpersonal lens of focus that explores both traditional talk therapy and experiential exercises. He also specializes in, you guessed it, psychedelic integration and psychedelic-centered psychotherapy. So, before we get into that chat, let's do what we normally do. Thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate it and we love you. If yourself or someone else that you know has any project, podcast, business, product, or service that they'd like to promote via Psychedelicast, please reach out to us at our social media taglines. Those are at Psychedelicast on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email me directly at clintonkaylee at gmail.com. We can discuss promotional packages. We can discuss podcast ad sharing, things like that. Please reach out to me. We are interested in looking for promotions for the show. Thank you. So yeah, we're still looking for you guys to collaborate with us, share your podcast ads, and uh, promote your project. Reach out to us. Um, Beyond that, before we get into our uh, psychedelic news segment, we would love it if you would drop us a review on your favorite podcatcher. Most of all, most importantly, if you would subscribe to the show, just go down there to the little button on Spotify or on iTunes or whatever app you're using. Click subscribe, drop a review, leave us some stars, check us out on social media at Psychedelicast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Help us expand the show. We share a lot of cool stuff on social media. That's the best way to keep up with us, not to beat a dead horse. But we love it when you guys interact with the show. We love interacting with you and producing cool stuff for you via social media platforms. Let's do some psychedelic news. In psychedelic news today, we have an older article. It's roughly a year old, but we haven't discussed this psychedelic at all on the podcast thus far. So we're going to bring you this piece because it's interesting and it kind of touches on a much less well-known psychedelic plant. This article is entitled, Professors Could Lose Jobs for Housing Rare Psychedelic Plant. It was written by one Miss Carrie Grenz, July 3rd, 2019, so roughly a year ago. I still think it holds up, and I think this is important, and I think it could be a segue for us to talk about this specific plant in greater detail in the future. I would love to have a guest to discuss Iboga uh, in more depth. The manager of the plant conservatory at Miami University in Ohio is out of a job, while its director, a biology professor, and an anthropology professor are set to be fired after authorities learned that the facility was growing several seedlings of a psychedelic plant called Iboga, Inside Higher Ed reports. There is no indication that the researchers intended to cultivate the plant's illegal psychoactive substance, but a student who picked up several leftover seedlings reportedly wanted to quote-unquote get high. Once the university learned of the student's intention to grow the plant for illicit drug use, it alerted authorities and the DEA confiscated the plants in November, but did not press charges against conservatory staff. 
a spokesperson for the agency tells Insider High Ed, Inside Higher Ed, pardon me, that research on narcotics classified as Schedule 1 must be approved by DEA, but would not comment on this case. The researchers insist the plant was kept for research, not recreation. A quote here from Brian Grubb, it was purely scientific inquiry. We're a biology department for God's sakes. Brian Grubb is the conservatory's manager who says he was forced to resign. The news outlet reports that the university wrote to Daniel Gladish, the conservatory's director, informing him that he had violated federal law by possessing a Schedule I narcotic and broke university rules for keeping a drug-free workplace and reporting colleagues' illegal activity. Anthropology professor John Cinnamon, who had brought the plant's seeds to the conservatory, was likewise told he had broken the law. Both, both professors were told they would be fired. Colleagues have come to their defense, and the local American Association of University Professors chapter has launched a petition to reverse the scholar's termination. A quote here, these are not two professors smoking dope in the back, says Daniel Hall, a professor of political science at Miami. To continue the quote, they care deeply about the institution and are committed to students and the community. What's happened here just sickens me. Hall adds that the university's actions could stifle research or discourage scientists from coming to study there. Well, I think that's what the Drug Enforcement Agency here in America is best at, is stifling research and discouraging people from studying uh, plants and compounds that may not only have beneficial effects, but may be some of the most beneficial plants and compounds on planet Earth. Uh, Iboga or Ibogaine, the active compound, has widely been touted as a, uh, what's the best way to, to describe it? as a way to kick heroin and opiate addiction and alcoholism and drug addictions of all kind. Although earlier in the article they said the student intended to quote unquote get high on the uh, Ibogaine or the Iboga plant, I've never personally tried it. It's on my bucket list. However, uh, general consensus is that the Ibogaine or Iboga experience is not generally particularly pleasurable. Um, it's a very intense experience lasting several days from all accounts and can be at points hellishly intense and unforgiving, albeit life-changing and uh, dramatically beneficial for users, uh, particularly users of narcotic opiate drugs. That being said, let's get into our interview with Dr. Ryan Westrom, PhD, co-author of the book, the Psychedelics Integration Handbook. Thank you for joining us. I hope that you guys really enjoy this interview as much as I did. not live but we're recording <laughs> uh so how you doing today man doc i should say i'm really good um, yeah i'm great thanks for having me on your podcast absolutely i'm glad we finally got this worked out i know we were supposed to do this quite some time ago and i flip-flopped and i apologize about that but we got you here now um for psychedelic cast listeners who we have on skype today is dr uh, ryan westrom phd psychedelic integration therapist and co-author of the psychedelics integration handbook thank you for joining us doc we appreciate you doing the show yeah you're welcome i'm excited to talk about everything psychedelic and when i get to meet people like yourself it just opens up a fantastic line of communication good good well we're glad to have you um let's uh i have some questions for you and generally these things kind of play out naturally and organically as we go along um but why don't you just start by telling us a bit about uh your background your life your academic career and what has kind of led up to the authorship or uh authoring of your latest book yeah so uh the story goes back way 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 back and uh, i've always been very very excited about the 60s I, I enjoyed the 60s as a child and it led me to explore psychedelic compounds at a very young age which catapulted me onto this trajectory of both experiencing the world through psychedelics as well as studying 
uh, academically. So I, I remember being in like middle school doing like surveys with kids in like science class of how many people are doing, you know, cannabis, how many people have tested with mushrooms and, and it just kind of snowballed. And at some point in time, graduating undergraduate, I knew that I wanted to be a therapist, a classical trained therapist. And I found um, the avenue of holotropic breathwork and Stan Groff's work uh, as my benchmark for my master's work. So I was spending a great deal of time uh, studying like non-ordinary states of consciousness throughout undergraduate, graduate school. And it always was in parallel process my own psychedelic exploration. I'm not shy about not only advocating for the healing components of psychedelic medicines, but just the transparency of how much I use it, how much I use them for my own healing and transformation. And so at that point, when I made it into my doctoral work, I used psychedelics as kind of my benchmark for, uh, for my studies and my, my private practice. Fascinating that you bring up uh, Stan Groff and uh, holotropic breathing. My last uh, guest that the episode released on Monday was Joe Moore, of uh, the, the co-host of Psychedelics Today. Are you familiar with him? Yeah, very familiar. Yeah. Okay. I love both him and Kyle. They do great work. I, I absolutely agree. My, I have an interview with Kyle tomorrow, so I'm pretty excited about that too, yeah. Um, but, yeah, fantastic. You know, these guys are good, and they're the cutting edge of movement, right? They're, taught, it's, they're an awesome template to show, uh, I think, respectful use of psychedelics, too, right? I agree, I agree. And uh, I really um, I really like their take on it, whereas my show is more of a kind of a psychedelic grab bag. I like to talk to anybody and everybody. Of course, it's always great to talk to um, fascinating guests such as yourself, but I also talk to, like, psychedelic visionary artists and I'll pretty much talk to anybody who's involved in the culture, you know? Um, but I really like that their style of kind of hard science, clinical research, and, uh, you know, they, they follow the science very well where I'm a little more loosey goosey. I'm, I'm a little more, uh, uh, interested in the, the rest of the culture. Not that they aren't, uh, personally as well. Um, but I, I really enjoy their narrowed uh, focus of uh, scientific research and, and all that stuff. But he was uh, – the reason this came up just now is because Joe was telling me about kind of giving me an intro rundown on holotropic breathing and Stan Groff's work and stuff like that, of which I was cursorily aware but not uh, not well-versed in. So he kind of gave me the beginner's like crash course in that whole deal. And that was very, uh, that was, that was fascinating. So it was uh, great to chat with him about that. Yeah, I think it is. Um, and I will share with you, I'm probably walking right in the middle of science and experiential recreational use. I'm a huge advocate for recreational use. The grab bag that you talk about is so important. I love, uh, the blends of, you know, it doesn't all have to be under this stringent scientific theory of, healing we can you can have just as much transformation you know at a festival or in nature than laying in some therapy office so uh when i was kind of coming up in my teens and early 20s and in my psychedelic uh, experimentation my personal experimentation i'd never heard the word integration one time you know it wasn't even like a concept that we had you know we would kind of come to the end of our experiences and sit around and talk to each other about, whoa, this crazy thing happened and this, and this was really deep. But uh, we certainly weren't discussing integrating things in a kind of a start beginning of the internet era, post McKenna uh, kind of a psychedelic experimentation. So to me, this concept to write a book, especially about this concept seems like a, a profound undertaking in that these psychedelic experiences are so highly subjective that even kind of putting a book together about psychedelic integration seems like a very highly subjective topic to tackle. Can you speak to I that? love that you say that. I, I love that you say that. And honestly, that's exactly what my book is described for. We want to make it a subjective experience. I'll belabor a phrase I use quite often, 
person and that's make it your own. So there's not a prescribed amount of yoga classes or a stringent diet or, you know, if you meditate for this long or you get to this point that you're going to find an integrative, like, bandwidth or, you know, completion. I love that you talk about it being a unique experience. And so the whole design of the book and the idea from my perspective, what integration is, is how you walk with it. So someone integrating, you know, halfway across the world in Europe would be integrating potentially highly different than someone living in South America, say, or someone living in South America is going to integrate their experiences highly different than someone in, say, North America. And the whole component that we keep talking about is it's subjective not only by person, but by compounds, by experience, by setting, by environment. And so it becomes this, like, insane, like you said, undertaking. However, why I did it was because the 12-year-old self, myself, when I started doing these mushrooms, needed something. There was nothing to grab onto. And now I know the Internet's around and people can Google search the shit out of everything. But what I want people to do is build, like, their own little journal so they can go back to their integration, dare I say, uh, journal or Bible, right? And they can like work with it and go, okay, this is what I'm learning. This is this is a chronological uh, evidence based from their own historical perspective of their psychedelic trips or experiences. Mm-hmm. Well, I have not read your book yet. Um, I intend to. It's been on my reading list, but my reading list is quite long. So <laughs> you know how that it's goes. All good. You know how it goes. Um, So I think I kind of blended two of my questions there, and you kind of touched on some other things that I want to talk about. So let's a little more. Let's zoom in a little bit on the concept of psychedelic integration and why it's important, and why you would want to write a book about this. So obviously, we've already kind of jumped ahead to the part about it being highly subjective and unique to each experiencer. But why is it important that we take time to not only have these experiences? but to, to consider the repercussions and the, what they mean, you know, what's in, why is it important to integrate these experiences? For sure. So the, the value of what integration is and why it's important in our society and culture in the year 2020 is that we're actively processing living in this world and trying to survive. And so it's, so beautiful people are taking time outside of their everyday life to enter into psychedelic ceremony or enter into psychedelic therapy. That's fantastic. Now, what are we going to do with it, right? What are we going to do with it? There's so many people that will come to me and they'll be like, and now I still have to go to work. Or gosh, do I sell my house and move down by the river in a tent? You know, there's (laughs) these people... And it's like crazy. However, we need to have a firm grasp of reality still. So the way I'm very prudent in my approach to psychedelic integration, there's all the time in the world to talk about the cosmos and the meaning of life and existential crises or spiritual emergence. However, what I want to support people in is how are they still firmly grounded? So integration also is a lesson in how can I ground myself? And that's what really is, um, you know, explored within the book and within saying people's psychedelic experiences. They want to know not only what the purpose of why they're living, but hey, how, how what do I do to make sense of it? How do I formulate it? How do I work with it and then digest it? Yeah. Um, I may have touched on this on with Joe in my last segment, but uh, I was relaying to one of my past guests, uh, an experience I had where I was sitting in a peyote ceremony, a Native American church peyote uh, prayer circle. And the roadman who is in that tradition, they call the shaman, if you will, or the leader of the ceremony, they call him the roadman. Um, he was holding up a, a dried peyote button, like his kind of grandfather uh, peyote button that is not consumed, but he carries with him for its energy. And uh, anyways, he was just saying, you know, the peyote is the teacher. And what we're doing in here 
even though we call this a prayer circle, this is actually the practice for the prayer of your life. So what we do in here is practicing so that when the sun comes up tomorrow morning and we can go greet the sun and leave the teepee, that we've practiced well in here for the actual prayer, which is your life. And I thought that was probably the best like analogy for psychedelic experiences and psychedelic integration that I had heard. Because, you know, it's like we can keep taking, we can keep pushing the boundaries of our own psyche. We can keep pushing and uh, we can keep exploring further and further. But really, what is the point unless we can um, make it a part of our day to day walk and use the lessons that we learn in there or on the other side um, to be a better part of community, to be a better uh, individual to be a better brother, wife, husband, what have you, to uh, to live a more full and happy existence. So that's just kind of my little touch on the way that I see psychedelic integration. I find it completely aligned with how I'm approaching it, and I appreciate that story. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, let's see here. So... I think I was kind of going into this and I'm and I mixed up two questions here, but maybe we can touch more on this or squeeze a little more out of this. Uh, what is the great importance seemingly as of late of integrating the psychedelic experience? Uh, like I was uh, making analogy to earlier, I kind of come from an early internet post McKenna, have the experience and that's that style of psychedelic experimentation. Uh, we didn't really integrate. We really didn't discuss it or, you know, that, that concept was what, even the concept that we just discussed of making it uh, a part of your walk was kind of foreign to me until my mid twenties. I'd probably been like off and on experimenting with psychedelics for seven, eight years until I started to have these kind of more potent or maybe more spiritualistic experiences where I was like, okay, uh, this is not just a recreational drug. This is not just brain candy. You know, this is more, this means more. Um, why is it so important, especially maybe in these kind of trying times of the, this COVID pandemic and the current state of world affairs that we take time to integrate these psychedelic experiences and just maybe these big experiences in general, you know, even if you were, if you were to, compare and contrast the COVID pandemic with a psychedelic experience, it wouldn't be a very hard reach to say these things are similar experiences, maybe on a longer timeline. So in especially bringing it into the world we live in today, why are those practices uh, uh, important for people to, to learn or to, or to practice? That's a fantastic question, and it can go many different ways. I'm going to take um, the branch that would say the reason why psychedelic integration is important is because it gives you a roadmap. It starts to create your own personal evolution. I'm going to tell a parable and a little story about that because there's a lot of people that will come into my office and say they're ready to dive again, right? They want to take another psychedelic experience on and the first question I'll ask them, not because I'm trying to push or challenge them, but to just look at the whole circle, the whole perspective is, well, have you digested everything that you consumed from the last experience? Okay. And oftentimes the answer is, I don't remember or I don't know. <laughs> and so to take on your post, internet post McKenna to, or I'm sorry, the internet post McKenna concept of, Hey, I'm going to just do it and kind of let the experience speak for itself. Well, oftentimes now so many people Clint, they're doing it so often and at high, such a high frequency. I'm challenging. Well, what's the space between, right? What's the space between and how fruitful is it? Mm-hmm. All right. I use the story of composting worms. Composting worms, and I'm going to digress for just a second, you dump all the compost into those worms, they can only digest so much before they're at their capacity. 
And then the other fruit, the other compost, is just bare to rot. They can only, and that's similar to how I see psychedelic integration, is we as human beings can only digest so much of the psychedelic experiences mm-hmm. before we're like at a limit. Yeah. And so for me, I often tell people, hey, please make sure you've gone through and qualified everything. And it's not to say you have to qualify it to the point where you're like born bone dry, but you'll know intuitively when it's time to dive again or if you're still looping around something that hasn't been maybe, and it's not going to be fully processed, but I talk about have you brought it to a level that feels complete in the larger version of an incomplete story. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a, a, just touching on McKenna, I think that's one of the things that he was famous for saying was uh, sometimes the, it's important to remember that when you get the message to hang up the phone, you know, that mm-hmm. we don't have mm-hmm. to be, we don't have to be taking these. Uh, I mean, I've had so much insane experience and information in the span of one single psychedelic experience that I could never even, you know, uh, how would you ever integrate that one experience? Like <laughs> it's, it's almost, sure. Sure. It's, sure. it's such a, right. and then that's the, and I love your point, but that's where it maybe not, it doesn't become fulfilled or completely reconciled. So mm-hmm. then you could do another compound and here's right now I'm going to advocate for different substances, right? So maybe like you were talking about earlier, the peyote ceremony was focused on something spiritual or that something was brought to you through grandfather. Well, that could be completely appropriate and used as a benefit with, you know, an MDMA session or an experience that feels more therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And then you're like really almost interchanging and weaving all your experiences. And see, I have experienced that to some degree and that peyote ceremony specifically was, uh, did have that feel for me. It was very gentle. It was very, um, very parental feeling, very guiding, but compassionate, not stern like ayahuasca, you know, because I, because <laughs> <Yeah>, I know <laughs> probably when I had that peyote ceremony, I was probably about five months off of a, an ayahuasca retreat that was very, very intense. And it was like, I was kind of reopening these doorways that was, that were open in ayahuasca, but sometimes the ayahuasca doorway comes open and it's just like, like psychedelic onslaught, you know, that's like, it has to slow down a little bit before you can kind of manipulate in any way. Um, but the peyote was kind of opening the doors a little more slowly, letting me peek inside, explore a little bit. And it was bringing up a lot of these, I wouldn't say directly, directly related things from ayahuasca, but they were interconnected, you know, uh, relationships with my family members, relationships with, um, men in my life, relationships with women in my life. It, it was kind of just showing me these things in a in a more slowed down manner. So peyote, my peyote circle was almost an integrative experience for my previous ayahuasca experience because that one was so intense and just mind boggling that it was hard to, it's hard to take that all in. And peyote kind of helped me to work through that in a more gentler setting and a long, over a longer period of time. I like that. It's very, very um, congruent, right? They, they play, they bounce off of each other with your help and with their kind of guidance. Yeah. And I, I found that, uh, I found that interesting. I wasn't expecting that, you know, but it's like they say, I guess to, to kind of speak in, spiritual terminology if you want to or spiritual language like the medicine knows what you need you know and they say that in ceremony and it kind of sounds woo until you're there and then you're like oh you're right the med- it's like perfect it's yeah yeah um like my well and, I, and to piggyback off of the medicine telling you what you need not necessarily what you want is then you better be respectful and humble enough to like listen mm-hmm. and okay, what am I going to do to make sense of this? Uh, to to just go off on a little bit of a tangent. There's a lot of people that they'll say, 
I didn't get anything from it. I didn't get anything from it. And then I'm like, as they're reporting it, I'm like, yeah, but what about this? Or what about that? So it could come in the most simple way. Mm-hmm. And yet people get all over-consumed by it. it needs to be this, like, like blown out of this world, transpersonal, collective, you know, utopic experience. And I'm like, some of the most simple shit and elementary ideas can solve for the most complex concerns they have in their life. Sure. And we can't forget that. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, you need, you have to have those very simple ideas as the building blocks or how are you going to conceptualize the more complex? It's like, if you're not able to grasp these very, you know, simple, uh, rudimentary foundational stone settings, like you can't build a, you know, this mausoleum that you want, this like crazy fractal geometric mausoleum that you want to be in, you know, it takes time to uh, kind of put the, put the foundational uh, parts in place. Um, yeah. And I think a Completely lot, agree. I think a lot of times people do have that kind of, whether it be through word of mouth or, or the media kind of blowing things out of proportion is they go say to South America and, they expect this one thing and what they get is something completely different. And, um, I, yeah, I could, I could see how that would happen because I went to South America and I was trying to do all my research and my homework and be as prepared as possible and have an understanding of everything. And then when you get into the throes of this experience, it's like, uh, she's laughing at me. She's like, did you do like, did you do enough preparation of were you ready for this? And I'm like, Oh my God, like this is hilarious. You know, like nothing could have ever prepared me for this. So, uh, you know, just as another an- personal anecdote, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it is. That is great. I think it also brings up a point that you said with the media, I think there's an illusion that this is, you know, the proverbial magic pill and that people have these extraordinary expectations, be it it's going to remove lifelong depression or dehabilitating anxiety and they're going to walk around like, you know, loosey-goosey and completely, like, chill. And the fact is, is that that's another reason why there's integration is it's the work that comes after. The session sometimes, I think, is the easiest thing. It's the preparation and the integration after because it's not going to just take that away from you. It's not going to just go, oh, hey, you're clear and better. Yeah. You know, dehabilitating suicidal ideation. Here, let me take that from you. No, there, there takes some work outside of the psychedelic experiences, and that's so, so important. Yeah. I was working with someone who uh, has been close to me um, with – low doses of psilocybin and this this person had previously not any um contact with psychedelics of any kind and uh this person has a history of depression and and various other uh, mental problems or various other mental disorders i should say i'm not sure exactly how to say that but uh, we started kind of working together with these low doses of psilocybin and microdosing and this, that, and the third. And she would tell me after her kind of, I guess you could call it macro doses, one, one to one and a half grams. So nothing unreasonable, but still you get a toe in the water. The next, you know, the day after she would always uh, say to me, oh my God, like I, I haven't felt like this in years. I feel so good. Like these mushrooms, like they 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 like cure my they cure my anxiety they cure my depression and i'm like well that's I, like that's a i that's a great place to be in and i'm glad that you have that feeling but right now you're not conceptualizing that the mushroom is not healing your anxiety and depression it's offering you tools to work with to learn about your anxiety and depression and to hopefully through work and time hopefully overcome that and then sure enough, you know, within a couple of weeks, it would kind of kind of slowly creep back up on her and get its hooks back in her. And I'm like, well, this is a progression. You know, it's not going to happen. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in an X amount of trips. It doesn't happen in X amount of integration. But um, 
you know, she was of the mindset that the physical co- component of the mushroom was healing her, uh, her depression and anxiety issues. And uh, there may be some signs to support that aspect as well, but I was trying to relate to her, you know, this is, this is giving you tools. This is offering you tools and teachings to work through these things. And uh, I think some people have the misconception that, yeah, ayahuasca is a magic bullet that's physically going to remove my, my physiological or my psychological ailments. And it doesn't work like that. No, and I like what you said. I think it's an and both, not or. It's not, it's not or. It's an and both. It's, you need to do it in tandem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great research out there showing the physical, medical, uh, medicinal uh, capabilities of these plant medicines as well. There's great evidence for that. So not to say that um, I understand every aspect of it and, you know, not to tell her, like, the physical component of the mushroom can't heal you. Because for all I know, it may over time, that may have a part to play physiologically as well. I don't claim to know that. Um, But what I know... What I can only offer in my experience is that these uh, these experiences are often profound and um, unbelievable, just this crazy, unbelievable thing that happens to you. But you have to work with that thing that's happened to you to get the good. You got to squeeze it a little bit to get that stuff out. You know, it doesn't it's not just like, well, that's it. Like, see you next time. Yeah, right. And that's where it's important to kind of challenge yourself to do different ways of integrating or different ways of processing. So if you're accustomed to just journaling or if you're accustomed to drawing or listening to certain music, challenge yourself to step outside the box. Like, do something a little more that's not your wheelhouse. Yeah. That can probably get some of those rusty cognitive gears turning that normally don't Mm -hmm. like to turn, you know? Right. It definitely right. can. Uh, I saw actually on your social media, it seems that you have an affinity for working with like honeybees or that you do work with honeybees or what? Yeah, I work with honeybees. I love bees. Bees are kind of my thing lately. Uh, bees and um, farming and gardening. So uh, it's a way, it's actually it came from um, a psychedelic experience where I was like, kind of enmeshed in the, like, insect world, and it was cool. It was a very transpersonal experience on psilocybin. And then um, it kind of morphed into being compost and dirt, and, like, the only way I could integrate the process is, like, just dive headfirst into it. So you're right in saying I'm, like, this novice beekeeper that doesn't probably, like... (laughs) But it's the funniest thing. It just puts a lot of peace in mind and, like, the world for me and um, gives me a chance to kind of commune with one of the psychedelic experiences that meant a ton to me because, you know, these insects and these bees specifically have so much intelligence coming all the way back from dinosaurs. It's kind of crazy, but not to digress too much, but it's, it's nuts. It's like... No, There's a lot of innate wisdom just like the mushroom, right? I mean, that's how I see it. Yeah. Those bees, they've been around for millions and millions of years. They know their shit. They're building, like, homes in seconds, you know? Yeah, dude. And, uh, yeah, bees are crazy, dude. Uh, like, if you just look at their honeycombs, that shit is crazy. Like, right. like perfect the, geometric, like, it's, like, flawless. Yeah. <laughs> it's not only, not only is it flawless, but it becomes this real hygienic they're extremely hygienic they're extremely healing the honey is the one thing humans ingest that you know can stick around i mean and you know here's the connection you could put a bunch of psilocybin mushroom in honey and have a really nice trip so yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, i'm not advocating for anything but i'm saying something <laughs> yeah yeah right i feel you uh yeah i thought you know and i've i've recently uh, begun to utilize different uh, integration techniques, I guess is the best way to put it, since my last ayahuasca experience, because it was like so foundationally shaking that it's like you have to do something different than you did before, you know? 
Um, so I definitely, Oh, I love that. Yeah. I definitely started picking up the like, um, gardening and growing little things. And, um, you know, I got like a little herb garden growing and I'm trying to, I've been working on minimalizing my lifestyle for a couple years now. So I'm building a tiny home inside of a school bus right now. That that's pretty much my massive main project. It's like kicking. Oh my God. That's fantastic. Dude, it's kicking my ass, man. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try to hang in there and finish it up. I got some work to do on it later today. Um, that's really cool though, because it must've come to you somehow that that's where, you know, listening to your story and, people like they they find something not because it's just happenstance or there's a synchronicity to it there's a reason why you're drawn to it and it it goes without saying the same from mushrooms or any kind of psychedelic experiences these these uh experiences find you and you look for it and you're open to it there's a huge opportunity to get perspective yeah and i I love that you're doing that that's really cool thanks man i appreciate that um it it seems cool. It, it's cool in theory, but actually doing it, hey, it's a lot like psychedelic integration. The idea was really, right. really good, and now integrating right. this idea into life is really shitty. <laughs> well, you said it perfectly. It's, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to actually process and do. And I think that's where people, to take it back to a little bit of a serious note, people will have a tendency and, and ease to go trip out on something quicker than they will to process something they've already experienced. Mm-hmm. especially the psychonauts of the world and i love them i'm one of them but we all say oh well, well let's just you know let's see what the dose tells us so let's give what's the medicine telling us whereas you know i want to give permission and responsibility to us to like to process it to look at it to not be afraid of it yeah not to be afraid of what it's saying there does seem to be a little bit of uh hubris and one-upmanship in that psychonaut uh, kind of side of things, like everybody. Wants How do you take that? What do you think of that? What do you think of that right now? Because there's a ton of it. What's your vibe, man? You know, uh, there's a part of me that's a prideful uh, man and a creature, and you know, I've had some, I've had some experiences that were very, very intense and and high dose and mind boggling. Um, and so there is an aspect of me that's proud of that. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I've been, I've been in places psychologically where when I, when it was over with, I was like, dude, most people could not deal with that shit. And you know, sure. whether or not that's true subjectively, I don't know. But when it was over, that's the feeling that I had that I was like, Oh my God, if I can undergo that, I can undergo anything. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I try to avoid it. You know, when I was younger, I used to be more uh, fearless and kind of like, yeah, dude, I'll do it. I'll do it. But, you know, as I got my ass kicked a couple times, I kind of fell more into the vein of the, I, I do believe that the medicine knows what you need. The dose doesn't always have to be superhuman. And I've had some of the most profound um you know, I've had some of my most profound understandings on low doses where, you know, it, it didn't require this just fucking mind bending, uh, thing to happen to me. It, <laughs> it was just something simple. Like, Hey dude, stop using paper plates and fucking plastic silverware. Like, why are you doing that? And like, you know, right. something like that, just small, mm-hmm. that really had that. I'm like, wow, that is profound. I should quit eating throw away right. stuff. Like. Well, th- th- that's a fantastic point to, to kind of hit home is especially people, and this is where I'm going to just step in as a public service announcement, is for those that are new to the psychedelic world, that the psycho-integrative dose is important. And, and I coined that in the book as we talk about a difference between a psycho-integrative dose or a psycho-disassociative dose. And the issue is, is people think they've read online or they're like going to base it off their body weight or whatever. I mean, you got to be careful. Grow slow, go slow. Because I'm similar to you, had some of the most magical experiences at like one gram, 0.75 grams. And I'm thinking I'm going to just kind of dolly along in the woods or something. And before you know it, like, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. 
And for people that haven't played with these or experienced them, that's the advocacy of the set and setting and walking with someone that's either, you know, you know, very, very trained in it or sober. <laughs> Let's just say that, yeah. you know, it's like keeping your wheels on the tracks for, for no lack of better term. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I, I remember the first night of the last ayahuasca retreat, I saw the amount of ayahuasca that the shaman drank. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, this guy is not going to be able to help us at all. <laughs> like, he drank like, right? he drank like probably eight times the amount that like the highest dose that was poured in the group. And, uh, I just remember thinking, seeing him drink that and going, Oh shit, this guy is going all the way in. And, uh, yeah. And uh, he told us like the next day in like the little circle, like speaking circle, he was like, yeah, I felt last night that it, that it was important that I take a, a, a more than I normally take because I really wanted to, you know, be in there with you guys and work with you guys very deeply. So I was like, okay, well, it, he knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. He's aware of it. Yeah, yeah. Sure. He's, a, he's, he's a little bit more adept at maneuvering in those environs than uh, – than I certainly was and that some of the other people there were, were as well. <clears throat> so I'm curious to know, um, about your actual practice. Do you, um, can you explain how your practice works or how you work with people on a day-to-day basis? Like how that actually looks in real it, time? Yeah. Um, it's a great question and I walk it with a tightrope. Um, so I'm considered a psychedelic integration therapist. What, what that is, is it, it differentiates from what we would coin as the underground therapist. I love underground therapy. I think underground therapy has a place, and I admire the courage and responsibility people have by using these substances as facilitating. As an integrative therapist, my private practice is um, specifically helping people prepare. So similar to someone like yourself who's getting ready to go to Peru or Costa Rica or Jamaica for mushroom or ayahuasca ceremony, I'm going to help guide them and prepare them for what their expectations are. No different if they're going to do something recreationally, they go on summer tour or do something at a festival. I'll just kind of get to know them, help them really understand the territory. And then, you know, at often some point in time, we're going to keep, you know, a tether. I like to use the term tether, Clint, and like get a report on what their experience is like. And then also then helping them just kind of process and um, land within their re-entry. I like to call the first couple of days after, we usually make contact with each other and see how their aftercare is. Because there's a significant difference of aftercare, taking care of your body and understanding what the fuck just happened and the integration part. So my private practice solely involves the preparation, the pre-work, the guidance through sessions via communicating with them and then talking about what, okay, let's put some framework around it, right? To use the honeybee analogies, let's, let's now like kind of build some honey. Let's understand the fruit that you get from it. Let's build, you know, structure. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Um, how long have you been, in this, how long have you been in this uh, position that you're in as a psychedelic integration therapist? Like in this, so that's that's what's kind of comical, and I laugh about it. But for the last 15 years, I've been doing it. So pre Michael Pollan's book, you know how to change your mind and all this stuff. Again, I, I wrote the book for my 12 year old self. My whole life has been inundated with a, a crosshairs of you know the Grateful Dead uh, and psychedelic integration. So I've been walking. Uh, you know, maybe helping people at festivals, you know, possibly before it was somewhat popular. Yeah. <laughs> and then kind of doing the deal, uh, just really holding space, you know, giving permission for people to be themselves. And at the end of it, you know, I just want people to, again, like we said at the beginning of this conversation, make it their own. Know that there's no judgment, man. That what is theirs is theirs. That they're beautiful people that are walking in the world trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. And if you can manage what's going on and you have someone that's going to listen, be it a friend, a family member, or someone that's a therapist like myself, 
I think you're going to just take so much more out of these experiences. And that's kind of my, my two cents is if we can be non-judgmental and let people talk about what they've experienced without judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, oftentimes these psychedelic experiences are, they strip you down to, they, they remove all your conceptualization of judgment and of a barrier. And they just kind of, they just strip you down to a bare place. And, uh, Sometimes you are able to either surrender to that and say, okay, I'm willing to be stripped bare. Or sometimes, you know, it's a little more like you need to be stripped bare. We're going to do it. And you don't really want to, but you mm-hmm. are. Um, and so, you know, I could see how you would, it would be helpful during the integrative phase to be able to talk with someone who helps you reestablish that sensation of it being okay to be kind of to peel the onion back like like the way these psychedelics do you know so yeah and yeah there, there's a huge factor in that because it changes the way your identity is no matter what when you walk out of there it's it's been exposed and then you're looking at what parts of it is something to be looked at as this is really who i am right i love to compare psychedelic integration as an opportunity to really find true authenticity. Sure. Right? Like yeah. you said, and I love the onion peeling example, is you're, you're peeling the onion back to the, your core roots, your core values, and they're saying, hey, this is who you are. How, when are you going to walk like this? Yeah. And not a bad way. Yeah. Not in a bad way, but like, hey, there's an opportunity for you to walk like this if you have the courage to. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's good. what I love about your podcast is here you are, you know, coming out talking about something that you're passionate about cool thanks man it wasn't it was actually not easy to do initially and sometimes i still feel that fear you know of like because i have a job in the real world i have a career i went to i went to college like i have all those things Uh and uh those could all be um you know suffice to say that this would not this is not the best looking thing to put on a, a, a professional resume in my world, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. And, and yet the beauty is, is in the community that large, you're giving beautiful voice, and that's my intention as well, is to harm reduction. Sure. So spending a lot of time with the children, that's what I've been doing lately, is I have a teenage daughter and a family and people, like, advocating for it, right? We need to talk about this stuff. As, as a community, as a family, yeah. as, you know, and so breaking down what I like about what you're talking about is the stigmas, right? You don't have to wave your freak flag and go, oh, you got to, you know, drink the Kool-Aid, but, you know, be at least informed and yeah. educated. And I, you know, I've, I can see that tide changing, especially here in the last few years, but over like the last, you know, the most of the 2000s, you know, with the kind of acceptance of medical marijuana and, you know, now there's certain cities are starting to decriminalize plant medicines and the narrative is changing a little bit, um, you know, maybe not always for the best. Maybe it's going to become hyper commercial and overblown and, you know, we don't, you know, there's a balance there as well. Um but the t- I think the social tide is definitely changing, and we're getting to witness the beginnings of that, or maybe the not I wouldn't say the beginnings, but I would say a continuation of kind of where it left off in the '60s and '70s. Right. Um, so that's you know it's a it's cool, super cool. It's a cool time to be alive, man. Uh, let's see. Well, we're getting on about forty-five minutes here. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about where they can find your book, where they can follow your projects? I know you're on social media. Like I said, I follow you on Instagram. Uh, what's the best way to connect with you, and how can we get this book in our listeners' hands, even through this current COVID situation? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and bless all the heroes at the front lines of this. And with that being said, right now Amazon's not um, allowing me as a self-published artist and author to send them to the warehouse, and it's rightfully so because they're using the medical essentials. So people right now could look up my website, healingsoulllc.com, 
Another website I have that is predominantly for the book is Psychedelic Integration. That's psychedelicintegration.net. And then my handle on Instagram is Psychedelic Integration. So what we have is the opportunity to um, mail it out. I would love to personally mail it out, get it in your hands as quick as possible. And, um, you know, the gratitude I have for, you know, small business e-commerce, I'm happy to make it happen. Uh, projects I'm doing of late is working a lot with um, harm reduction in children, uh, adolescents, teenagers, running some groups right now that's really, really cool with um, awesome people regarding uh, the substance and advocacy of, um, you know, teaching kids how to use these substances, right? Sure. And um, wonderful, wonderful movement of uh, helping, you know, demystify all the craziness that goes with it. Absolutely. So let me repeat those back So because it's going to be – just based on the technology, my voice is always going to be slightly more clear than yours. That's just how it is. That's fine. Uh, totally. So you can check out um, Dr. Ryan Westrom's book at HealingSoulsLLC.com. Okay. HealingSoulsLLC.com. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Psychedelic Integration. And there's another page that's d dedicated to it called psychedelicintegration.net, correct? Correct, yeah. Psychedelicintegration.net, the website. My Instagram is psychedelicintegration. And um, my other website is healing souls, S O U L S L L C.com. Okay, great, great. Okay, man. Well, I certainly, once again, appreciate you coming on the show and discussing your book and discussing your philosophy and your work. And it's been great to speak with you in general. Um, it's, yeah. It's just cool to meet you, man. The, the same goes for me, and I appreciate it. It's very humbling to have you doing this work. And anything you ever need, just reach out. I'd love to support. I certainly will. Okay. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Ryan Westrom, uh, co-author of the Psychedelics Integration Handbook. And there you have it, folks, our interview with Dr. Ryan Westrom. I have to admit, um, whenever I interview these uh, figures of academia, even in relation to psychedelics, um, I always feel this kind of like personal nervousness talking to someone who has run the gamut of the educational system. But I have to tell you, which you guys already know from listening to the interview, uh, Dr. Westrom is one of the coolest dudes I've had on the show so far. Fun guy, very insightful, very knowledgeable, and um, I just can't speak highly enough about him. So thank you one last time, Dr. Westrom, for being on the show. I had a great time recording the interview with you. If you're listening to this, thank you greatly. Um, I will be sitting in another Native American church, Peyote Prayer uh, this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. As always, there's a bit of uh, trepidation there, but I am ready to undertake the experience again, perhaps go a little deeper, and um, maybe not so much focus on myself. I have a feeling that this prayer is going to be uh, concerning the world at large and the current social and societal climate and you know I think I'm going to go in with that intention it's not always about you it's not always about me and uh, I have quite often the tendency to remain in my own head and in my own psyche and to relate everything that happens in the world as something that's happening to me and that's not always a good way to perceive the world so I'm going to do my best to remove myself and observe and send my prayer uh, out to those who really need it because right now my life is pretty good. I have my moments, uh, but I'm grateful for where I'm at and I'm thankful and uh, I'm looking forward to that. So I will see you guys on the other side of the half moon altar. Let's do our quote. Today we leave you with the word from the magnanimous maestro of MDMA himself, Alexander Sasha Shulgin. There is a wealth of information built into us, tucked away in the genetic material in every one of our cells. 
without some means of access, there is no way even to begin to guess at the extent and quality of what is there. The psychedelic drugs allow exploration of this interior world and insights into its nature. Psychedelic Casters, thank you once again for joining us for this interview segment. We'll be back next week with a no-trip sitter. And we appreciate you, as always, for joining us in our attempt to pry open the third eye. We love you. Be good. <laughs>